Gaggle podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Michael Squires, the politics editor at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, and I'm at our Arizona Capitol Bureau with Mary Jo Pitzel, state government reporter. Ron Hansen, congressional reporter. Yvonne Winget Sanchez, Governor's Office State Politics Reporter. This week on The Gaggle, we look at a new report that shows Arizona kids aren't faring very well. And Governor Doug Ducey touts the importance of trade with Mexico. But we start with a secret recording. And fear among Arizonans in Congress over their re-election prospects. Ron Hansen, fill us in on the details. <laughs> so... We have a a secret recording from the indivisible groups that have been hostile to Republicans nationwide. They were able to uh, get into a closed-door meeting with Martha McSally and her uh, people with the Arizona Bankers Association. Um, They recorded this conversation, and, and McSally acknowledged the difficult political climate that Republicans in general are facing, including herself. She said at one point um, that if the election were held today, that she could lose. She's in a district that Hillary Clinton won by five points, correct? Right, right. She's in one of the more evenly divided seats in the country in terms of partisan registration. Obviously, an epic uh, win by 167 votes, I think, uh, to gain that seat in the first place in 2014. And then in 2016, she pulled away. But um, it's still a competitive seat that will never be just sort of safe for her. And what are some of the factors that are making it tough? Obviously, the Trump administration's had some some turbulence here in the first uh, months in office. Is it entirely that? I would say a lot of it is. At least Democrats would probably say a lot of it is. Um, McSally has been pretty supportive of the Trump agenda. When it comes down to roll call votes, she has not parted with the, the party's leadership on, on the important things. And I think this is most embodied at the moment by the House voting on the health care bill. Um, she was with them with the initial plan that didn't get a vote and then led uh, a memorable uh, charge to go vote on the one that did pass in the House. So she's kind of put her name and, and her reputation out there on a bill that's deeply unpopular and, and you know, being labeled as Trump care and such uh, and to her detriment, perhaps. Has McSally said anything since this tape was made public? I mean, has she disavowed her comments or acknowledged them? I spoke with uh, her spokeswoman who did not challenge the authenticity of the recording. She encouraged people to listen to the recording in its entirety to make sure things weren't taken out of context, for example. And I think that, you know, the other note that they kind of made is that it is a tough thing. There are some polls out there that show that it would be a challenging election. And and just intuitively, we know that that district is going to be a tough race. So they're trying to say that acknowledging that, you know, she might lose if the election were today is actually not shocking, folks. That, you know, that's just the reality of it. Still, when a an incumbent member of Congress who obviously has caught the eye of uh, House leadership and has perhaps her eyes on other offices as well. This is not really the mem- the the you know the usual message that they would be standing on. She's widely seen too as a rising star in the Republican Party. Her name has been mentioned for governor maybe in in twenty twenty two. So I think it would be obviously very painful for the party if they were to lose her. We're already sizing up the field for 2020. I know, dude. Uh, it's not just wow. me. <laughs> so one other thing, wrong. Congressman uh, David Schweikert sends uh, a fundraising a note to his 
uh, constituents or supporters and sort of echoes some of the same concerns. He kind of puts frames them in a different way. Is he in any way in danger? I mean, he seems to have one of the safest seats out there. Yeah. Um, so he sent a, a, his campaign sent a uh, fundraising letter to people in the district that uh, really played up the idea that Democrats are circling his seat as something that they want to try and go after. It's hard to see how he's truly politically vulnerable, given the registration numbers, the way they line up at the moment and such. You know, so, no, I don't think he's in any real political danger. I, the, this was a fundraising letter. What he did as part of the strategy to help, you know, gin up some money, though, is is essentially uh, call out these groups like Indivisible and others uh, among them as being perhaps violent and dangerous in terms of their methods to try and upset the, the congressional map as it exists now. And this, I, I should add, uh, has been roundly condemned by those groups that have been hostile to Republicans in terms of their rhetoric, but they've not been doing anything violent and, and such here in Arizona. And, and they have specifically said they do not advocate violence. Get the latest Arizona political news by subscribing to azcentral.com. Get our free email newsletter delivered to your inbox by visiting newsletters.azcentral.com. We're going to shift gears a little bit here and, and talk about a new report out this week that shows that Arizona children are not faring very well on a variety of measures. Uh, who did the report and what are some of the things that they looked at, Mary Jo? This is an annual report from the Annie E. Casey Foundation. They do a review of a number of measures of child well-being, such as uh, the family's economic status, their income, access to health care, uh, how many parents have a high school diploma teen birth rates, et cetera, measures like that. And in this year's um, annual report, Arizona dropped one point from last year, ranking now 46th worst in the nation for, or 46th best, I guess, in the nation for child well-being, which puts it at the very bottom. What are some of the things we really get dinged for in that report? I mean, I know we've never done terribly well in it, but... Probably the biggest ding was the uh, percentage of children living in high poverty areas. And this is based on 2015 census data. Some of that, no doubt, is a reflection of we're still climbing out of the recession. If you did a snapshot today, it's probably better. But we have almost a quarter of Arizona's children living in areas that have been defined as high poverty by the census. That's not a good situation for raising kids who have a chance of succeeding in the world. Arizona also got low marks for access to health insurance for kids, although 8% of the Arizona's children um, do not have health insurance compared to 12% last year. I mean, those are fairly low numbers. That's probably a lot because of the federal um, Obamacare, the uh, Affordable Care Act. And again, today, that number would probably even be better because our lawmakers restored kids' care. But the federal budget uh, proposes doing away with kids' care or the money that would support kids' care in Arizona. And uh, we all know that there is an effort afoot in Congress to repeal and replace Obamacare, although we don't know what it's going to be replaced with. So clearly the, the goal of these reports is to get the attention of policymakers to make adjustments or, you know, 
policy changes. Is there any indication that, that this report carries much weight with Arizona leaders? I would say not. I mean, we always give it a lot of attention because it is credible sources. They're using a lot of hard data. But I must say I can't point to any direct measures that come out of this report. It, certainly it gets noticed in some circles. And it's not, it's not again, it's not good optics for Arizona to paint this picture of how kids are faring. Sure. The useful thing I guess we could point out is that they're using the same data year to year. So it is a consistent look at the, at the trend. Uh, what was like, if there's one thing that they said Arizona should change, what would it be? Uh, the Casey Foundation doesn't necessarily recommend changes, but the Children's Action Alliance, who's their state partner, they're like, protect kids care, you know, protect um, the Affordable Care Act, whatever its successor might be. And uh, make sure that we keep access to uh, family planning available as well so we keep that rate of teen birth rates uh, low. Get the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com delivered to your door, phone, and inbox by visiting subscribe.azcentral.com. Yvonne, Governor Doug Ducey is heading to the nation's capital to talk about trade with Mexico. And there's a little bit of dissonance in this uh, kind of mission that he's on because uh, Donald Trump during his campaign and since has has said what a bad deal NAFTA trade is. Uh, That's a different message than you get from leader Republicans in Arizona who say, hey, they're our number one partners. This is someone we have to do business with to to grow the state's economy. What's he doing back there and, and what does he hope to come from it? Governor Ducey is uh, going to be sitting on a panel that's going to be hosted by the Wilson Center's Mexico Institute in D.C., and he's going to be talking about the benefits that come from having such a strong relationship with uh, Mexico. Ducey, going back to the beginning of his tenure, long before Trump really entered the uh, presidential race, talked about uh, how Mexico is the state's number one trading partner. It's important that we do what we can to improve that relationship, whether it be widening ports or, you know, talking about other relationships that business relationships that they could have, for example, with Lucid and and other kind of um, transnational business um, deals. So he's going to be highlighting that relationship uh, back in D.C. I think this is another effort to raise his national profile, but that's another story. I kind of like that story, though. Uh, Do you? (laughs) I do. He hopes you do, too. We'll get that story written then this summer sometime. But, you know, a lot of the activity in the business that comes as a result of this uh, relationship with Mexico could go away if Trump were to have his way. So um, Ducey doesn't really directly address uh, what could happen if NAFTA goes away. He tends to fall back on the line that that's a hypothetical scenario and we're going to have to research what the specific proposal is. And I'm not focused on national politics. I'm focused on running the state. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And it should be noted that we've seen this before. Um, the state saw a pretty marked decline in trade with Mexico after the passage of Senate Bill 1070 in 2010. Um, it sort of deepened uh, the decline that was already underway because of the recession uh, and and made it worse and drew this out even longer so that Arizona was one of the longest running subpar states in terms of recoveries from the Great Recession. And, And this is some small part of it. It's not the whole reason that the state was struggling, but it definitely was a part of it. And 
I think Governor Ducey knows that needless antagonism is is definitely bad politics and, and isn't good economics either. Um, one other side note on this is that it's not shocking that a border state like Arizona might have uh, outsized interest in something like NAFTA and trade with Mexico. But what might be surprising to some is the interest that interior states like Iowa and Nebraska have with trade with Mexico. The Probably the number one industry apart from the auto industry that has been affected by this is corn. Exports of U.S. corn to Mexico have been enormous under NAFTA and has really done a lot to displace agriculture in Mexico. And so if you even if you could unwind NAFTA to some extent, you would have a lot of sort of unintended consequences that would make life very different for folks in a lot of different parts of the U.S. Yvonne, you and Ron had a story over the weekend about what's going on uh, or not going on with the campaign donations from the four people named in the indictment involving uh, former Corporation Commissioner Gary Pierce and utility company owner George Johnson. What did you find? Our reporting revealed that uh, George Johnson and Jim Norton, who's a very high-profile Republican consultant uh, down here at the state capitol, they really wield incredible um, amounts of power, especially when it comes to campaign donations. Over the past uh, two decades or so, they have contributed combined about a quarter of a million dollars, Jim Norton and, and George Johnson, to federal and state politics. Overwhelmingly, of course, those candidates that benefited were Republican, but there were some Democrats in there, uh, the Maricopa County Democratic Party. Uh, so, you know, the Republicans gave uh, Kirsten Cinema uh, a really hard time for accepting about $53,000 or so in donations or donations from Backpage back founders. It's the, uh, how do we describe it? These are the executives uh, formerly with the New Times that had uh, operated a website, Backpage.com, that um, accepted ads uh, from groups that were, uh, I guess, trafficking in underage uh, women or girls. And, and so it's kind of seen as... Uh, potentially dirty money, uh, the, those men, their lawyers have said they expect them to be indicted at some point. But at this point, they are unindicted. However, the state chairman, Jonathan Lines and the Republican Party's spokeswoman, Torrance Sinclair, have blasted and continue to blast cinema for those donations, even as members of their own party have taken tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from these individuals who have been indicted by a federal grand jury for conspiracy fraud, etc. She, uh, Torrance Sinclair, the, the spokesperson for the party, says it's not hypocritical at all that sex trafficking, child sex trafficking, um, is much different than a federal indictment involving all of these um, charges. And, uh, you know, other members of her party would disagree. We had several who said, you know, they believe that the money is tainted. They would like to donate it uh, to charitable causes. Other people, uh, Corporation Commissioner Andy Tobin, for example, said he saw nothing wrong with the money. But if the, the people were convicted, he was more than happy to put it back. And he also noted that uh, the Arizona Republic never wrote a, a story about donations that he made when he closed his legislative account back in that. Uh, uh, years ago, but those donations went to charity, so we'll give him that. Is it an indication that they don't feel much political heat from this, Ron? Yeah, I think so. Uh, at this point, Governor Ducey, for example, uh, indicated he is not giving that money back at this point. Um, they said they would continue to monitor the situation or some words to that effect, but they're not giving it up at the moment, and I think it's because uh, they don't feel that there's political heat 
uh, on this. I suspect that they're looking at 2018 and saying that the governor will be judged on education or economic development and other kinds of matters more than some, you know, brouhaha involving lobbyists, but not him directly. However, his Democratic opponents are already using this as an attack line, and they're playing the guilt by association tactic, which is the same tactic that Ducey's supporters back in 2014 used against Fred Duval. So, I mean, they they can argue that this isn't fair, but I do think it's fair game. They accused Fred Duval of supporting Saddam Hussein because he was at the same dinner party as Saddam's lawyer or lobbyist. I can't remember correctly, <laughs> but the guilt by association tactic will be used and we'll see how effective it is. In our final segment, what are you watching for this week, Yvonne? Another secret recording. Ron? Uh, I'm interested in what is going on with this health care bill in the Senate. Mary Jo? What will happen with this escalating feud between the Secretary of State's office and the Clean Elections Commission over who has authority over campaign finance reporting for independent expenditures. These IEs are where you see the dark money come into politics. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Gaggle podcast. You can find me on Twitter at MG Squires. Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. At Ronald J. Hansen, that's S-E-N. And at Yvonne Winget. Thanks to the politics team and also our producers, Kayla White, Hannah Gaber, and Manny Lozano. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week.